Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. Thanks for being here this morning. My name is Dominic Insinius. I'm the leader here at The Heart. And we, uh, we're going to get into the message very, very quickly. We're starting a brand new message series today called Heroin. And it's not the kind you're thinking, so get your minds out of the gutter. Each uh, summer over the past couple of years, we have really enjoyed doing a series called At the Movies, and we take some time to uh, look through some movies that are either just coming out or some popular ones in the past or whatever it is, um, and see what we can pull out of uh, some lessons that we can learn, uh, see how God shows up in the ordinary, in Hollywood, in movies, and all that kind of stuff. And a few summers ago, uh, we did... Um, one on uh, movies by, by, that had Denzel Washington uh, in them. Washington is his name, if you haven't heard of him. And uh, those were a lot of fun. And this year we have, uh, so I, I, don't, I think I've told you guys before, I have a team of people that help kind of put these message series together. Okay, so we'll talk through like, you know, what's the next series we want to do, the next collection of talks, four or five messages, and, you know, it's going to be on this topic, and we want to be able to pull this out of that series, that kind of thing, and so there's a group of us that get together every couple of weeks, and that way it's not just my perspective all the time, it's not just my voice, because I am in here all the time, and it's a scary place to be, so I need to invite people in there with me, and kind of get some of my crazy thoughts out and all of that, and so as we were talking about this summer uh, for At The Movies, we wanted to do a series that is uh, strong female lead characters, strong female characters in movies, and as we were talking about this, I love the idea and I thought, is there anything more, uh, anything more condescending than me as a man empowering you as a woman for four weeks? So what we're going to do uh, for the next four weeks is we're going to have uh, Crystal uh, speak. She's going to be speaking today. And then we have a friend of ours that we'll introduce you to next week. Her name is Candice. She'll be speaking a few of the messages. And uh, what we, what we want, really want to do with this series, y'all, is this, this is not about uh, pretending that we're all the same. It's about embracing our differences, embracing the different voices, embracing the different perspectives. So we, we are one humanity, but it's important for me that we all enter into a conversation. And, and, and if we're afraid to, uh, I'm going to push you into the conversation over the next couple of weeks to be able to understand humanity from a woman's perspective. Um, and uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I know I'm not breaking any ground here, but it's important for me um, for a lot of the time, uh, for the majority of the time the heart has been in existence, our leadership team has been mostly women. So uh, it's important for me to give voice to, to everyone, to give a voice to, uh, to people here. So anyway, we're starting this series today, and I want to invite you over the next couple of uh, weeks to be watching these movies with us. So it's going to be uh, a league of their own, um, as good as it gets, which is an old school uh, Oscar nomination when Jack Nicholson was in his early 80s. Uh, and then, um, I don't know why I zing Jack Nicholson. What's my problem with him? He's great. 
uh, A League of Their Own, As Good As It Gets, and then we're going to do uh, Blindside, which is another Oscar-nominated movie, I believe, and then the final week we're going to do Moana, and we're actually going to uh, see if we can get a couple theaters and watch Moana all together the day before we do that message. So some fun things happening. So I really want you to open up your minds, your hearts for a different perspective than maybe uh, you have. I want you to take notes, and uh, so let's, uh, let's do it. Ready, girlfriend? All right, let's give it up for Crystal, y'all. Thank you. How exciting. Man, you guys look good. There's a lot of new faces here. I'm excited to see you. Well, we've been talking through and dreaming about this series for a little while, and um, I am excited for today, but I'm very excited for you guys to meet Candice next week. So as Dom said, allow yourself to be here for the next 20 minutes or so and see how God can speak to you through this message. So when I was six years old, I was invited to my first slumber party. It was 1992. And I know some of you have already worked out that equation. And then some of you are going to try to work it out here in a minute. You're going to be like 2021 minus 1992. Try to figure out my age. And some of you don't care. So I like some of you that don't care. We'll just say in between, you know, 28, 35. So I go to my first slumber party and I'm introduced to two movies. Now I was the youngest one at this slumber party. I was six years old and I think all my other friends were like nine, maybe 10. And we watched two movies that no six-year-old should be watching. The first one was The Exorcist. And I'm pretty sure my soul literally left my body after that movie. In fact, I slept with a Bible on my chest until I was about 13 years old. It's a story of fear to freedom. We'll talk about that in another message. And then the second movie was A League of Their Own. Now, it's by far my favorite movie in all the world. But if you've ever seen it, then you may agree that perhaps a six-year-old should not watch that movie. But that's what we're going to be talking about today, some of the lessons that I learned from that movie that I want to extend to you. You guys, I remember watching this movie, and I kid you not, the very next day I went home and I told my mom, I'm going to play softball, baseball, whatever it was. There was no one in my family that had played sports, but I knew that I wanted to play that game. In fact, my very first day going to practice, I hit my coach in the eye with a softball, and uh, blood everywhere, but I had watched a movie, so I was all in, right? And I don't know if it's a movie for you or a quote, but when we were little, there was like this fearlessness to try new things, yes or no? We weren't very intimidated, right? We hadn't been tainted and tethered yet by adulthood, and so I had the courage to try new things, and then something happened in eighth grade, something I was already aware of. So growing up, I had a really difficult time reading and spelling, and we didn't have like all the testing that kids have nowadays, so I kind of just struggled in silence, but I remember I was the kid in the class where, you know, you got to read the textbook, and you'd count your paragraphs so that whenever it came time for you to read your paragraph, you knew all the words. Anyone else? Yeah, so that was me, and I remember one time I was sitting 
sitting in my science class, Miss McGregory, and my friend Kyle Van Landingham, which is a longer name than Stotzenberger. So we, it, we used to make fun of him because his name went all the way around on his baseball jersey. That was rude. But so Kyle, I remember sitting in my seat and Kyle would help me if I had trouble with a word. And we were reading, it was in science, eighth grade, and I had read my paragraph and I was all, I got this. These words are easy. So it comes up to my turn, and I'm reading about organisms. Um, but I did not say organism. I said a different word. It was very spirited. I won't repeat it here. But I said that out loud in front of a bunch of eighth graders, and I had no idea what this word meant. But I was made fun of for the remainder of the year for mispronouncing this word. And there was something that happened to me in that moment where this passion that I had, I, when I was little, I liked to write stories and poems, and I always thought I wanted to be an arth, auth, Arthur, author. And so when that happened to me, I was all, forget it. I want nothing to do with anything, writing or reading. I'm going to shrink back. And so I wonder when that has happened to you. What have you not pursued due to fear of criticism? What blog post did you decide not to write? What team did you not try out for? What promotion did you not seek? What play did you not try out for? Was there something in your life that happened that made you fear criticism? I'm not talking about the surface level criticism. I'm talking about the things deep within that we already tell ourselves right? The things that make us inspired to shrink back, to not raise our hands, to be fearful of moving forward, finding passion and purpose. Sometimes it can dull our voices. And so I spent many years just like that, shrinking back. And then about eight years ago, I was introduced to a TED Talk, and I fell in love with a lady named Brene Brown. I talk about her probably every time I'm on this platform. Brene and Jesus, two favorite people. So this TED Talk was all about uh, surrounding the idea of vulnerability and thinking through the people whose opinion matters most. There was a quote, and Brene even says it's kind of silly to think a quote can change our lives, but there was a quote that she shared from Teddy Roosevelt, and it changed the game for me. I still struggle with criticism, but this quote is framed right on my bathroom sink. I read it every single morning to remind myself what counts. So I'm going to read it for you. It's referred to as the man in the arena. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, but who does so while striving. It's the man who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best, in the end, knows the triumph of high achievement 
and who at worst, if he fails, he fails daring greatly. That is what it's about, my friends. It's about showing up. It's about the time that we make the choice to step into the arena knowing that the critics are there. There's this idea that Brene shares where we pause in the moment before stepping into the arena. It's before you step on platform, before you go into your boss's office. It's before you are getting ready to step on the field. There's this moment before we actually step in the arena that can make us pause, that can make us shrink back. It's the fear, anxiety, self-doubt, uncertainty that sometimes we can feel. There's a idea that she shares about how we armor up, how we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, and that's what disconnects us from stepping into that arena. Now this message, this quote, it's not about the critics. It's about you, it's about me. It's about the times that we're brave enough to be afraid and still do it at this exact same time. Life's not about winning or losing. It's about showing up and allowing ourselves to be seen. I made sure to make a note of that because I think it's something that you and I need to remind ourselves every single day. You see, I'm not a pastor. So I'm just sharing with you my experience. When I'm sharing up here, the success of this message has nothing to do with me. It has to do with God is speaking to your heart, not just through this message, through walking through those doors and seeing a community of people. So this doesn't make church successful. Your relationship with each other and God is what makes this moment successful. So Brene uh, shares this kind of like hack when it comes to staying and stepping into the arena. Instead of trying to run away from the critics, which so many of us do, right? Block a friend here on Facebook, avoid a coworker there in the hallway. We try to avoid the critics. She says, invite them. Know that they will be there. Reserve a seat for your critics because you already know what they're going to say. You already know. Whatever it is you fear most, you're already telling yourself that anyway. So why not show up and know that they are there? So when Brene is talking about this idea of reserving a seat for the critics, she talks about there will be three different kind of critics to reserve that seat for. And a lot of them are internal. The first one is shame. Shame is a universal human emotion. We all deal with it quite constantly. So knowing that the shame will be right there front and center, but you're gonna show up anyway, right? The second one that she says to reserve a seat for is scarcity. Oftentimes we think 
There's already people doing this. There's already people that have written this kind of book. There are already people that have put their hat in the ring for this kind of job. I'm in this, you know, program at Texas State, but there's already so many people that have applied for this program, so why would they choose me? Yes or no? Anyone with me? It's already there. Scarcity. The third one is comparison. Dear God, we all compare constantly. It's why we don't post that photo when we don't think it's the right angle or why we use three million filters to get exactly the right skin tone before we post on Instagram, right? This idea of comparison. It's what I used to do when I was really young and think, oh man, I can't write because I can't spell and look how great this other person is and they submitted their essay, so why would I submit mine, this idea of comparison? And then she says to save that fourth seat for yourself. You are your worst critic. That's the whole idea behind this message. Oftentimes we're looking externally and validating why we will not choose to step forward when in reality it's that voice inside of our own head that keeps us from pursuing our dreams, that keeps us from pursuing our passion. Maybe you want to be an artist, but you're too afraid to put your art into the world. So it's that idea of the inner critic. And when, when she's talking about this, there's this idea that is so beautiful to me. She says, invite your critics in, reserve the seat for them, and then you say this, I see you, I hear you, and I'm still going to do it anyway. You will be so proud of yourself when you have that moment of courage knowing that there is this huge challenge, there is this huge barrier, and I'm going to take a step forward anyway. It's extremely, extremely powerful. I wrote this down for you as well. When we stop caring what people think, we lose our capacity for connection. When we become defined by what people think, we lose our capacity to be vulnerable. Brene talks about how we're wired for connection. Jesus talks about how we're wired for connection. It's naive for us to say we don't care what people think because we all do. We do care what people think because many of us want to be connected, but we can't be defined by what people think. That is what makes us armor up. She shares this idea of how we have to make sure our best seats, though, are reserved for the people that are on our side. Why is it that we reserve such good seats for critics, right? And then we have our best friends or our family who are, like, championing us. Is that a word? We're going to make it one. So they're by our side reminding us of how great we are, but all we want to do is make our imaginary Facebook friends proud. We want them to think we're so great. We want the people who are already our critic to think we're so great. So she just says, know that they're in the arena, but that person that is right beside you that will pick you up when you have failed and say, yeah, that really sucked. But that's okay because you are extremely brave, so get back out there and do it again. Those are the people in the arena that we have to allow the voices be the loudest. 
Those people. The people that remind you that you're capable. The people that remind you when you're scared that you can still do it. The people that remind you of your worth. There's this uh, story in the book of Acts, and I've actually um, shared the first part of this story in a recent message. It's the story about a man named Peter and Cornelius. And in this particular story in Acts 10, it's about Peter hearing from God that he needs to go to the Gentile people and tell them the gospel. Now, the problem with that in Acts 10 is the Gentile people and the Jews, they did not mix. They did not intertwine. They did not go to the Gentile people to tell them about the accounts of Jesus, right? So, like, eating with them would be a huge no-no to the Jew um, demographic. And so Peter goes anyways. Um, he goes and tells these people about Jesus and about the accounts of him. And they, um, they are saved, and there is, like, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at Acts 11. Now, this is when Peter is coming back to Jerusalem, and he's getting ready to speak with the Jewish leadership. And this story, the reason I chose to share it, is because it is so fascinating to me that this book that was written thousands of years ago is still so relevant to today. Dom talks about that quite often, about how these stories of people in this book are not a distance illustration of humanity. It's close. It's problems that you and I deal with quite often, and we can not find the answers in here, but we can be able to resonate with how these people navigated life, how Jesus showed up in this world. And so in this story, we have Peter. He's coming back, and he's talking to the leaders. And he ends up recapping, but let me, let me read this to you. I'm gonna, we are going to get to that scripture, but I'm going to read this first part. It's in Acts 1. It says, The news traveled fast and soon reached the apostles and the believers living in Judea that non-Jewish people were also receiving God's message of new life. When Peter finally arrived in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers called to him to task, saying, Why did you stay in the home of people who aren't Jewish? You even ate meals with them? Gasp. So he's being questioned. He just got back from the arena. He was in, what's it called? There's a wrestling term. I don't know. He was in like the big show. He was in the arena. He just traveled back. And so he's being questioned by his peers. Why did you eat with these people? Now, what we have to understand, it would be easy to look at them and look at the critics and say, okay, these people were awful, but they were raised. They were brought up. This was the life that they knew following the Jewish law. So they ate certain things. They followed certain laws, right? So this was everyday life to them. But they were questioning him why he ate with these people. And then he goes into an account to tell them about his time. And here's what he says. Shortly after I began to speak, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Just like what happened to us in the beginning, he's reminding them. The Holy Spirit poured out upon these people just like the same experience that we had. 
And I remembered the words the Lord had told us. John immersed you in water, but you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So I concluded that if God is pleased to give them the same gift of the Holy Spirit that he gave us after they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who am I to stand in the way of God? Who are we to tell ourselves that we're not capable of the things that we are moving towards? When they heard this, their objections were put to rest, and they all glorified God, saying, Look what God has done. He's given the gift of repentance that leads to the life to people who aren't even Jews. Now, when I read this story, and when I think about this message, and when I think about this movie, I ask myself, what if your courage, what if my courage in the arena can shift and change the critics? What if because of the things that we choose to do, someone has an awakening? What if we're the vessel for change? If Walt Disney had not gone bankrupt umpteen times and Oprah had not continued to work uh, towards being a, a news anchor and then a TV show host and all the things that she's been able to do. There's people who have fought different types of disabilities and they kept going and made such an impact in this world. What if they decided not to step in the arena? God created you fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose. And we cannot allow the critics to keep us from that purpose. You know, this, uh, this movie, go watch it. You're all old enough. It was a story of vulnerability leading to resiliency. It was a story of changing history. At this time, the reason that they had brought the women into play baseball was because all the men were out to war. It was around the World War II time frame. And these women, it's a fictional movie based on a true story. They fought to create change. You're going to do that someday. It's never too late. Not even for you, Matt. I'm sorry, he's just so easy to pick on. I love you, brother. It's never too late. Your father in this book, your father in this book, he says, I know you. I've designed you for greatness. Maybe that greatness is being the most amazing mom, or dad, or man, or boss, or leader, or student. I don't know what that is for you, but you were designed for it. You gotta show up. I wanna challenge you with something this week. I wanna challenge you to Imagine what your life could look like, what this community could look like if you step in the arena and you stay there, even if it's hard. Plant your feet in the ground. 
Take your armor off because you're already equipped with everything you need to be right there. I'm so thankful, and I say it every single time I'm up here, but I am so thankful to be in this community, and I encourage you to get in connect groups. I found a strength unlike anything I had ever imagined in connect groups, in some of the most trying times of my life. Because of those people, because of those groups, I still took steps forward, even if I didn't believe in myself. I had people next to me who would dust me off and throw me back in the arena. Thanks, Dom. Throw me back in the arena and remind me of who I am and what I was capable of. And I believe that. I do. I believe it for each and every single one of you. So that's my challenge. Step in the arena and stay there. Will you pray with me? Father, from the most wide open spaces of my heart, I pray for each person here today. I pray that they would be reminded they can be brave and afraid at the exact same time. I pray that they be reminded of the courage that you've brought to them. I pray that they would be reminded of the worth that they have in you. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this community. I thank you for the greatness that we receive through your Holy Spirit. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, our mission and goal is to connect people to the heart of God. If you would like to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit us at www.theheart.church for more information. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who might benefit from it. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we'd like to invite you to visit us this Sunday morning. We have two experiences for you to choose from at 9.30 and 11 a.m., all happening at the Spot Cinema House and Eatery. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how our relationships grow and how your faith grows.